Why, hello there. Hi. Julie Slater, 88.5 The SoCal Sound, here with Marcus Munford. What's up, man? Hi, Julie. I feel so cozy on this couch with you, although you sat very know, far away from me. it's quite isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. It's a bit sort of, a bit creepy, actually. <laughs> can you imagine, yeah, can you imagine what's been on here? I dropped my muffin underneath this sofa and you said three second rule. And you picked it back up. And I started eating, I think it's now laced with cocaine. <laughs> Well, I'm coming Probably. out. Probably, yeah. I mean, you, you were on a plane for a long time, so it might help, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, Can you still buy those magic eye drops in America that are like cocaine for your eyes, but they're legal? I've never had them. My friend gave me them once, and I'm not a drug guy. Yeah. But I think I could get quite deep into eye drops. <laughs> That's hilarious. What does it have in it? I don't know. He said it's almost FDA approved. I was like, that sounds wicked. And I did it like two drops. We were actually on a train. We were drinking wine from the bottle. And it'd been a very long, we'd had a very, what we call an LLBL, a long, leisurely, boozy lunch. This is a while ago. Mm -hmm. And then we continued on the train, drinking very, very expensive wine from the bottle. Yes, as you should. Um, and then we were going back to my place in the countryside to have dinner with my parents. And I was like, I'm in too much of a state to sit at a dinner table with my parents right now. And he went, have these eye drops. They were like magic. Was, by the time we got there, I was like, hi. Anyway, so you've never had them since? I've never had them since. And I've never heard of them. <clears throat> Interesting, that was in the US. No, well, he oh. brought them from the US. Oh. But it was in England, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that's how you wanted to start this interview. Yeah. Julie, let's uh, continue. Okay, so you're in this other band, Mumford and Sons. Yes, ma'am. Which is cool. But really, now you're a solo artist, and I wonder, how does this new chapter feel for you? I mean, I, you're still in the Mumford & Sons, mm -hmm. still around. Yeah. But now, uh, this week, actually, uh, the week that we're recording this, I have a feature called uh, our 88.5 Album Dive. We're digging deep into your album, and each day I'm playing a different track. Cool. Uh, which has been really fun. But how does it feel? It's very different to be in a band, and now it's all on you. I mean, It is different. Do you feel... Is there more pressure? I'm curious of the perfectionism of being an artist. Is there more worry for that as a solo artist Gosh, or I, in a band? There's lots to say on that. It's really different. It makes me admire artists who are in bands and also have solo careers. Because it's a lot to get your head around. Like once you're in the band mentality, and this can be a good and a bad thing, you kind of like, you strap in for the ride and you just go wherever the kind of big machine that you've created takes you. <clears throat> Whereas I'm learning with this solo stuff, like it all falls on you and it's just different. So effectively, if I sort of think like the live performances, like they're kind of good enough, then we don't work anymore on them. So I have to be the one that says like, no, let's keep working on them. You know, let's keep yeah. getting them better. So it's just really different. And I think, you, for the for the way this record uh, was written and put together, the intention behind it made total sense for it to be a non-band project for me. But it's not like I'm thinking about the next solo record. I'm thinking the next record. I'm I mean, this record bad. just came out, and yeah. I mean, it's also a very serious record. You've been very open about uh, sexual abuse, and the first song you're singing about it. Mm -hmm. What led you? No better way to market an album, right? Right. <laughs>
Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you could have used like a bunch of metaphors. You could have buried the the song later in the record. Like you just yeah. came right out, going for it. Yeah, what no, I, did think about, I did think about doing all those things. It just didn't feel right, and so I just tried to follow my instinct. And then when I start, started wavering from that instinct, friends would call me up and say like, "Well, wasn't your instinct this?" And you know, really just showing some kind of support like brandy carlisle called me months who's before. on the record yeah. he's on the record month before I, I was thinking putting it out and she said like i hear you're wavering on putting cannibal first like dude be strong don't be afraid it's the right place to start the record and here's why and we talked it through it wasn't so much instructional it was like supportive which is simple i think sort of symbolic of the way the record was made it was very in a very like community-driven support network for me, of people in front of and behind the microphone. You know. I mean, you had a lot of friends supporting you, but were you very nervous about just public reaction? It's no. It's like a baby. You know? No, I wasn't actually. I, I, I let go of it on the last day of mixing. That's great. I, I didn't need the record to do anything for me um, in terms of like healing recovery and stuff like that. I, I, if I had relied on a piece of music or uh, relied I, on other people on, on the release of a, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. then that would be, that would feel fucked up. Yeah. So I, I didn't need anything from it. Then it was just like, okay, now it feels like other people's. It feels less like mine. I mean, obviously I still made it, but it feels like now we're giving it to people and they can digest it however they want to. And I wanted to put the music out before talking about it, which I was intentional about too. Yeah. Now the reaction to me, what I've even just seen online, you, is it overwhelming? Like you're finding people who are, are really relating to what's happened to you, to what's happened to them. Yeah, in some That's ways not, I'm not surprised because I think yeah. this stuff, I mean, if you're talking specifically about sexual abuse, I think it's much more common than we talk about. Right. But uh, in general, I'm, uh, I don't think I'm enough of a masochist to go through comment sections. It's not my jam. Yeah. I mean, I've just seen just people posting their right. own story, like, oh yeah. my gosh, I, yeah. so I feel like there's no way for you to know how the record would have been uh, brought to people, no. but it's really, I think it's kind of wild. I feel like this record's way huger than you. And I just wonder, and maybe you haven't felt all that just yet. But no, I think. I think a bit like when you make music, you're always a couple of years ahead of your audience. And I think it's the same, even in the rollout of this record, like Cannibal came first, it had to, Grace came second. I'm kind of excited for people to discover the rest of it now, because it's not as intense. And actually it leads to a place which is truthful for me of freedom and actually like fun as well. Yeah. And so now playing the live shows, I've started, we started just playing the whole record from the top. So I come out, play a couple of Mumford and Sons tunes, just solo. Like make people feel all right and say, <laughs> and then play the whole record start to finish. And it's over too soon. I was glad I made a short record, but then when you come to translate it live, it yeah. happens fast and then it's done. And then you just fuck around at the end, play covers. How was it? Um, I'm a huge fan of Phoebe Bridgers. Me too. Uh, she's on the record. Uh huh. Did you? I f I feel like there's probably no way you guys were together to record it? We I don't were, know how it were, were you? Yeah, yeah, I was It makes here. me sad to think like you guys are just sending files <laughs> no, to each other. No, that wouldn't have happened virtually, I don't think. That, we needed to really connect. Are you guys like besties now? 
Um, no, we've been friends I for a while. So I, 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 went, I hunted her down at Newport Folk Festival. I don't know, it must have been like five or six years ago. Early doors, I guess, for her public um, career. And had heard her music and really liked her music and went and saw her, stood in front row in one of those little tents at Newport and just was completely blown away by her talent, her yeah. writing. Um, and then we were working out of the same studio and I, I basically I knew I was going to be here. I texted her and said, are you around? Because we'd done a couple of things together in the past. And um, and yeah, and she said she was. So I played her a couple of songs and then I played her the one she sang on. She was just really stoked about the fact that I got the word heinous into a song. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I'm she really kidding. was. She's yeah. like, dude. Yeah. She's That's like, funny. I'll sing on it. Yeah. And then she sang on it and I went away and wrote the rest of the song sort of inspired by her performance on it because she sings on that song differently to how I've heard her sing yeah, before. Yeah. People do that with Blake Mills, the, the producer. He can he, he has a way of accessing vocalists, I think, in new ways that mm -hmm. happened with Claro. I don't think she sounded quite like that before. Monica Martin as well. I know his Laura Marling records and I worked with Laura back in the day. And so hearing her produced as a vocalist by Blake, he brings something different out of people. And he certainly had, cool. did with Phoebe that day. It was, it was very cool. So yeah. it inspired me to go off and finish the song because she just raised the bar. I really want to get to, we don't have a ton of time, um, Ted Lasso. Oh, do you? How did you get involved in uh, <laughs> that? And gosh, you guys have any idea how how that was going to, I mean, it really helped so many people during the pandemic. But being a part of yeah. that, how do you feel? Like, Yeah, it was a cool thing. Yeah. Cool. I mean, you, are, you have the theme song, but you also scored. Like I scored it, yeah. And, 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 and really, when you say theme song, it's really just dugga, 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 yeah, and then skip intro, right? So really, that's all we're talking about. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, I always say, I'm also a musician. I always think about the beginning and, and listening to it. Dugga, dugga, and dugga, all the yeah. editing that goes into the beginning that that's people it. are skipping. Yeah, no, that's it. So, and people say like, how was it working on that? It took six months of my life. And then so I think for a lot of people, it's like, what, to do that drum fill and the yeah. But I'd never scored anything before. So obviously the theme tune happened quite quickly. That was like a day's work. But the scoring genuinely took me six months because we did it. I started in COVID in a studio in London with my engineer. And then of course, COVID happened, lockdown. I'm just starting this project. And I had to learn how to push all the buttons. Oh, which is terrifying oh. to me, but actually really helpful, especially in advance of making my own record. Right. Um, and and having to work without lyric was really helpful. Just thinking about melody and rhythm was really fun, actually. So I did the first season quite quick, quite slowly. I did the second season a bit quicker, and that was all in COVID, so it kept me busy. And then watching the success of the show has been great. I mean, I haven't watched it, but... You haven't watched it? Well, no, I spent six months with it, so I don't need to watch it. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, you already watched it, like, as you were... Yeah, hundreds of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never watched the whole thing start to finish, you know, yeah. which I know people have enjoyed. But it's, yeah, it's cool how surprisingly, how surprisingly uh, popular it's become. So what do you think you'll do more scoring in the future? Or no. You... no. Never again. Are you kidding? It's a nightmare. Really? It's a nightmare. It's just so technical and I guess so and it's kind of anti-creative in a way time, because yeah. it becomes really scientific and quite technocratic. So I'm not in a rush to do it TV again, at least. Interesting. Kind of, well, I'm a big Radiohead fan. 
when you say it's really scientific, it makes sense that Johnny Greenwood and Tom York are really into scoring because they seem like <clears throat> crazy. Yeah, and I do think it's it must be different doing a feature, right? Because yeah. you're scoring 90 minutes of music as opposed to 380 or something ridiculous, you know, TV. Right. And especially, right. you know, comedy's quick cues as well. So it's like you're in, then you're out. You don't have a lot of, whereas Johnny Greenwood has these like 10 minute long pieces to write. That would be pretty fun, I think. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And then like the London Contemporary Orchestra to help him. Are you buddies with Radiohead? Any no. No. No, I'm not. And to be honest, I, I'm such a fan of their music that I don't really want to be. Oh, I hear that. I don't have much desire time. to meet them. I know, weirdly. sometimes it's a real downer. Yeah, no, I don't think it would be a downer. I'm sure they're really lovely. Yeah. But like, I'm happy for them to exist in that godlike space that I put them in. Yeah, so, I feel you. Yeah. Do you so hang you, out with Johnny and Tom a lot? I've met them a few times. Have I went you? to the south of France and hung out with them backstage and had champagne, and it was the biggest dream of my was life. Was that moon-shaped pool time? When they did those pool time? Oh, no, that was, it was like... 2001. Wick Hail to the Thief. I think so, yeah. Maybe, I don't Hail know. Hail to the Thief was 01. It was a dream come true, but I'm a, such a huge fan. I've got to interview a couple times, and cool. it's all just been a dream. Awesome. So, but I, it's great. just great to I'm love I'm so happy man. for you, and I'm not at all envious <laughs> of you. But I have met some heroes, and it's not that they're, you know, Sometimes it is best to leave them where they are because sometimes they can't live up to your dream state. Well, I, just I mean, don't I don't think it. that you feel that way about Radiohead. I mean, I'm not obviously an obsessive. No, I'm not. It's not one of those meet your heroes things. I just yeah. don't need anything from them. If they could just crack yeah. on making their music, that's all I need from them. Uh, I, don't I wanted them to meet to... Tom, York's best friend. Do you, that's right. the problem. That is a problem. Yeah. 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 Just, so, it's probably not going to happen at this point. Why, why nothing, would you say that? No, why would you say that? There's nothing personal about you. I just think we've probably got enough mates now, haven't it's, You're you a know. real dream killer, Marcus Mumford. Dream killer. Yeah, so you could write the next song. Yeah, okay. Perfect. All right, you're playing the Wiltern a couple days from this recording. Um, who's in the band with you? Like, or where'd you get your players? A couple LA cats. A guy called Mason Stoops plays the guitar. It's wild. He's from what he would like to refer to as Vadina. Um, Taylor Pasadena? Mackle. Do they call it the Dina? The Dina. I've never heard that before. Um, That's cute. Uh, and Taylor Mackle plays keys, and Mason introduced me to. And they're a bit younger than me, and they're just really enthusiastic and highly, highly talented musicians. So it's fun playing with them. Mike Libramento plays the bass, who I toured with when he played with his Golden Messenger. And it's one of the most respected musicians I know, because he can basically do anything. Yeah. And when he's happy, everyone's happy. How many instruments do you play? I play like three chords on loads of instruments. Yeah. And I play more than three Enough chords to like on kind of write whatever one instrument. Yeah. And that one instrument, I can play about five chords. So it depends what you mean. Yeah. I grew up as a drummer. And so drumming in this live band is Ted Poor, who's from Seattle, who played actually on a song we cut for the record and didn't make it. Not because of the drumming. The drumming was the best thing about it. Um, but we just didn't put it on the record. And he is kind of session guy. He's just a phenomenal drummer. And I'm quite picky with drummers. Yeah. Um, I can be quite difficult, I think, with drummers. Yeah, he's amazing. Sensitive, sensitive I'm a difficult guy. Yeah, 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 I'm a difficult dude. Especially when you kill dreams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Mumford and Sons, just for the record, Mumford and Sons will continue. Yeah. 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 Anything in the future happening? Yeah. Start writing some songs. Yeah. Cool. It's. I. I I think this is right for me right now. 
but it has also made me really look forward to getting back in the room with the lads and being yeah. part of a band again. So it's, everything's in its right place. Oh, I like that. Little Radiohead reference, everybody. <laughs> That's a very difficult, I learned a little piano though. Oh. A very difficult. Oh, yeah. Song to play. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure Tom York has ever got his head around the time signature for that song. It's very whack, but yeah. I think it's whack on person. Yeah, yeah, it is. Anyway, should we well, talk Marcus, a bit more about Radiohead another time? I mean. Let's keep going. <laughs> I'm after it. That's my favorite subject. I mean, I love them. Is that wrong? <laughs> no, me too. No, I just, yeah, they provide mm. a lot of joy. I just, I love that they're a band that I've loved for so long and I still do, you know? Sometimes bands mm. come and go, you know? Mm -hmm. Or you have moments where you're not that into them and you get yeah. back into them. And... But it's been a joy talking to you. I, I believe our time is up. Cool. Uh, so. Sorry, Great. I haven't asked you many questions. I know. Next time. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. We will do this next time. Uh, Self-titled is the new solo album from Marcus Mumford. Thank you so much for popping by the SoCal Sound. Uh, have a great, you're here at Amoeba to do a signing. Uh, enjoy it. Have a great show at the Wiltern and see you soon. See you again. Thank you.